Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Geek Wave, and what a wonderful day it is. That's a line from one of the movies we're going to talk about today. The trailer came out for it. I'm hyped as all fuck, man. Oh, my God. New Apes always makes me excited, but I guess we should just start off by saying this is the low-budget show. It's the show so low it has no budget. Unlike some of the franchises we're going to be talking about today, our budget is small, so we can't really like expand into new territory. We're kind of stuck in this perpetual state of, maybe if they rebooted this, it'd be interesting, but who needs a reboot of it, you know? That's cool. We're talking reboots today. I don't know, just seeing a couple trailers come out this week, it got me thinking about which ones have worked, you know? Because... We could easily sit here and talk about all the failed ones where you're just like looking at this thing where someone's like, you know what we need right now is a reboot of this. And then nobody watches it and nobody talks about it and it fails because it's miserable and boring. So then they have to do old Ghostbusters again. So then they have to do old Robocop again. So then they have to do nothing to a Dread sequel. We're not touching Dread for some reason. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just, I'm in an ape mood. This is all because of the trailer for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I would say it's early into the 2024, like, schedule of movies that are coming out. We haven't seen any of, like, the, you know, more indie releases going to, like, film festivals and whatnot. I would say right now, where I'm currently sitting towards the 2024 release schedule, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is the top of my list. I have liked every other iteration of the apes. I'll say it here now, before the release of this movie, we will cover every single other Planet of the Apes movie. We'll do extensive stuff talking about this franchise, because it is, it's my franchise. My franchises are the Muppets, it's Tron, and it's the Planet of the Apes stuff. I love all of those so much. And always getting more apes makes me excited. And I guess we are getting more Tron soon. And Muppets Mayhem came out this year, so I'm, I'm, I'm feasting good. I'm feasting good. But before we get into like some reboots that worked, we have a couple of trailers to talk about just for some upcoming projects. All of these are slated for next year, and that's kind of cool. You know, we're, we're in November now. Things are kind of switching out of this time zone. Nobody really gives a shit anymore. The schedule is pretty much locked to the end of this year, I would say. Nothing's really going to shift, but I say that and then... Disney takes magazine dreams off their schedule, so that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I guess it's all in flux. And I should say this kind of like before we continue. There was the huge variety article that came out recently talking about the stuff with the MCU. There was a whole bunch of it, just like who they're setting up to fail for the Marvels, what's going on with Blade, the CG VFX stuff just who they want to bring back, who they need to get rid of. I don't want to get into that. I think that's going to be covered extensively by other people who do this type of stuff. People who probably give more of a shit, because personally, you can look at that for any studio. Marvel's just the most notable one because it kind of created like this stupid incestuous bubble of people talking about entertainment online. It comes from this desire to be in the know with the fucking MCU, so I don't care. Personally, let, let's just throw out a couple of like things I feel about it all. Get rid of Jonathan Majors. 
I don't give a shit. You can replace him with anybody. You have a time-traveling multiversal piece of shit. Do it. Nia DaCosta is not the problem with the Marvels movie. It's a lot of other stuff going into that, and I'm more excited for her next project than I am for this one. A Blade movie is easy. You fucking it up to your own fault, and I just say don't make it. What's the point? We don't really need it. Bring back RDJ. I don't give a shit. I mean... He likes money, and I don't think he really gives a shit about Tony anymore, so if he wants to come back for the paycheck, do it. And pay your uh, VFX people properly. With that out of the way, let's cross over to the other side of the Disney pond, which is the Fox 20th Century branding that they bought, and talk about a trailer for a new movie coming out in May of 2024, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now, this was the long-talked-about successor to the Rise, Dawn, and War movies. This particular story pretty much encompasses a couple generations later. I know there was, like, some conflicting reports, like, hey, maybe it's more about, like, Caesar's child and his generation or all that kind of stuff. They always said it's going to be, like, a couple generations later. And that's going to be kind of like where we base it off of because all of like the cities are like overrun with like floral and trees and vines and everything. And it looks great. The first thing you notice from this trailer is like they put so much money into these. And I think that is so cool. Like they just they care so much. And I think it's just because like the audience at large just likes this story where it's like it's a simple premise. It's kind of just like a rebellionish story. Like, the, the hiding of the truth to, like, the general public and growing up in a time you don't know, but it's apes that look really well done, and it's just, like, a cool story. And these movies, they make some bank. Like, I know none of them crossed, like, a billion, but I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, Rise, Dawn, and War all did fairly well at the box office. But this story follows Noah? Is that the name of this new guy we're talking about here? He is, like, this chimpanzee who rides a horse and he's like a falconer so the poster is a monkey on a horse with a hawk and you're like oh that's like all the things that are cool together that's so cool and he's just like trying to slowly discover himself in this world and see the cracks through it there is also like this evil dictator who like works on like the coast because he set up like a village that's like on the coastal side of like the world played by Kevin Durant, and I'm like, oh, that is a guy that is perfect for a villain in these movies. He's big and intimidating, he has a presence, and if you just slather him in some green dots, he's perfect to play Proximus Caesar. Clearly, I say clearly loosely, it seems to me that Proximus Caesar is going to be like, I am this generation Caesar, don't you see? We have to contain this outburst of like humanity and bring them down, destroy them, destroy them all. Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. I dig that so much. It's really fun. It definitely feels like we're leading to what's going to come, you know? We're headed into some bigger directions. Now, there was this character that we see in the trailer. And I saw some people speculating about this online. It's the orangutan that's kind of like friends with Noah. And their name is Raka. They have a certain like uh, necklace design on them. And a lot of people are speculating that this is going to lead us into the direction of Dr. Zaius. So 
I am calling this like a, a classic reboot. It, it's not like the Tim Burton one where it's insane. This is just more like we're, we're starting at the beginning of this world and how it gets there. And we're slowly seeing that form. So the apes are starting to stand more humanoid. They're all talking more because, you know, in the first like couple movies, they aren't like all verbal. Caesar and Koba and Maurice was a little bit and then Bad Ape was too. And now we're kind of like getting to that point where they're all talking. They're all kind of uh, becoming these individuals. And that's kind of cool. And leading us towards like a Dr. Zaius, like a Cornelius. I wouldn't be surprised if this movie ended and we get like a big name of somebody, of anybody. Because we had Nova in war. Like the small child is Nova. And then she's going to... Well, that doesn't make sense either, because if it's generations later, she'd be dead. But it doesn't matter. We're just using names that you know. It's all good. I think we're going to see the formation of the science of, like, hiding the truth from the people. And that's, like, a really cool thing to see. But I am obsessed with this trailer. I think it looks incredible. This movie's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so distinctive and cool. And Wes Ball is the director, uh, he worked on those Maze Runners, I do think. Did he make all of the Maze Runners? I guess he did. It's the only movies he's made. And he worked on other shit. Is he a graphics artist? That's kind of cool. So he worked in visual effects. So, oh, yeah. He's, he's a great choice for this then, yeah. Because if you were somebody who starts off with, like, the special effects side of things... You're going to have a stronger uh, feeling and connection towards how you make a movie. So that, that's that's great. Cool. And those Maze Runners, they're not like bad. They're just like a story I don't really give a shit about, but they're not bad. So that's something. This is also something. Let's talk about this. We have a trailer for the new Ryan Gosling movie, The Fall Guy, based on a, a 70s tv series is that what it is i can't remember but hey here's ryan gosling you like him he is a stunt man who has to go save an actor from a thing i guess that's cool david leach is directing this never really liked all of his work <laughs> but fine he's fine he gets the job done i don't hate this trailer you know, I think it's okay. It, it didn't do, like, anything to, like, make me go, yes, finally, something funny. Gosling's a good lead, and the fact that he's getting to be, like, a big leading man now is really exciting. Emily Blunt continues to, like, pick weird projects for me, because I'm like, what are you doing here? But cool, you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson's in it, so that's fun. And Lee Majors is going to appear in it, because he was in the original. Whatever. I don't know. I just think this looks semi-interesting on like a vagueness of what interesting could look like. I'm not like blown away by what we're doing, but hey, the jokes pretty much land for the most part and Gosling can play the stupid well. So that's something. How much money did this cost to make? Too much probably. I, I'm, I don't know. Okay. I wish I was more excited for it, but I'm just, I'm just not. I just think like, yeah, we need like a good solid action movie to come out and like people will enjoy it and shit, but whatever. 
you know, the end of the day, it's coming out in March, so it's either going to we we just kind of keep moving up like when the blockbusters start because now it's like March, you can have a blockbuster come out. So maybe this will do John Wick 4 numbers. Probably not, but I don't know. Maybe the fact that it's Gosling will carry it. I, just, I think Bullet Train just made that much money because there was nothing else in cinemas at that time. That's the only reason. But David Leach, he, he can whip out a movie quick, it feels like. And he's fine. <laughs> I don't know. We have one more trailer to talk about. And there's like an overarching thing involved with this trailer I do want to talk about. That is the release of Marvel's Echo series. This is the Maya Lopez spinoff of Hawkeye. Uh, the worst show Marvel has made is Hawkeye, and I will stand by that. And then this trailer shows that all five episodes are coming out January 10th. Fine. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm just like... The, the trailer itself, I think people have been like, oh shit, we've never been so back. I don't get that. This looks the same as like Daredevil, and I'm like, that's fine. I guess like what else do you do with the Maya Lopez show? I personally can't think of anything. So sure, this can be what we do. I don't know. It is the first mature M-rated Marvel project under the Disney umbrella. That is solely because you're not getting anybody to watch this that's like a teenager or like just casually watching. You want to go for the hardcore, like intense people are like, this invokes the Netflix Daredevil because who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? I like Maya Lopez. I like Alia Aliqua Cox. What's Aliqua Cox? Is that her name? I can't remember. It's been years since I thought about that show. Aliqua Cox, I think. I like her. I don't give a fuck about this show. Not because, like, oh, it does nothing to do with the story, but I don't need you to take the entire, like, you know, teaser and just, it's all about Kingpin. Give me the stuff with Maya. It doesn't do anything for me to see these guys. I don't know. And then it's going to be the first in a new umbrella under Marvel called Marvel Spotlight, where it focuses on more street-level shit. I don't fucking know. Like, shut the fuck up, Marvel. You're falling apart, and I can tell, and I just, you're not exciting me by this. Is this what the new Daredevil show is going to fall under? Is this what all your new shit's going to fall under? It's so freaking lame. And I have no interest in it. I might watch Echo just because I'm not going to watch Echo. I haven't watched Loki. I haven't watched Secret Invasion. I'm not going to watch What If. I'm not excited, but it looks fine. It does focus a lot on Vincent D'Onofrio, which is going to bait people into thinking it's something else. But let's not forget... The teaser poster for Moon Knight was a hand covered in blood, and then that show was god-awful. So I, I I cannot get excited for a new Marvel TV show until we reset all of the resets, you know? What other ones are in active development? Agatha, Ironheart, that one. The, both of those are just trapped in whatever they're doing before. Wonder Man stopped filming so they can refigure that whatever way they want. It's crazy. It's all stupid and I hate it. And whatever, it's going to be fine. Let's take a break because I don't want to talk about this anymore. And when we come back, we'll talk about some stuff I think is good. So this is a fun topic and in no way controversial in the slightest where 
leaving a certain thing off the list or adding a certain thing off the list will have people agreeing or disagreeing with me. But I wanted to try to find a, a consecutive list of franchises that worked rebooting. And it was hard, I'll be honest, because I didn't want to do comic book superhero stuff. Because we could just do like, who's the best Batman? And that's its own video we can get into. Who's the best Spider-Man? That's a video we can get into, blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to take those off the list that could have filled this list. I didn't really want to do like a one and done because you, you have to try to find like it took the initial concept, modernized it up for general audiences in some way and made itself work. And, and that is hard to do. In some cases, there's like just like one movie, but there's actually only one on the list that's just one movie, but there's also a planned spinoff of that coming out. So I'm including it as a successful franchise. It's just weird to think about. I don't know. It was surprisingly hard to make this list. I think because everybody wants to make a franchise, but nobody wants to like make a good franchise. <laughs> that finding like a modern one is hard. Like I, I don't know. I, I hate it, honestly. This is solely inspired because of the kingdom for the planet of the apes. Just seeing that trailer, I was like, oh, we're doing apes again. Hell yeah, we're doing apes again. And we're doing apes based off the successful reboot of the apes. So we got to talk about the arguably, arguably to me, the most successful reboot. I'm also not including like a Lega sequel or anything where it's like, this was a planned, like, you know, own thing and then a classic character shows up i don't want to do that i want to try to like just solely its own thing and plan of the apes being the first one i want to talk about that is kind of complicated because there is kind of like the idea that the reboot is supposed to take place in the same universe as the classics and kind of like lead up to that moment but it's solely its own thing and I think it's a really good trilogy about the rise of power towards this guy trying to help his people. And Caesar's story is so interesting just from this ape that was smarter than most to being experimented on to fully protecting his family and his people when the world is trying to destroy him. It's a very personal story. It's a very intimate story. I dig it so much. And they just look great. Like, I know in the 60s and 70s, when we're doing the original ape films, we want to do prosthetics. That's the style. And I can see how, like, even somebody like Tim Burton would want to do prosthetics. A movie that I like more than most. I do appreciate that Tim Burton weirdness of a Planet of the Apes movie. But, you know, just the rise and dawn and war have this specific feeling and tone and they're so compelling, and they look so good. Some of the best effects that hold up so well. It's amazing when you just put the time and dedication into that craft, like how specific you can get it. Uh, it they just look so good, and it's such like a good escalation of character. Like the first one, Rise, it's a simple story. We're not like doing anything outlandish or crazy. This is an ape who is special, and he starts to develop more empathy and knowledge of himself, and he builds a revolution in like an ape sanctuary and they cross the golden gate bridge to get to the redwood forest 
that's the movie. That's the first movie. And you're like, that's it? I thought this was the rise of the Planet of the Apes. They just went to the woods. And then the movie ends with like a virus spreading across the world, killing humans. And then in the sequel movie, Dawn, which is so freaking good, Caesar is like a, a ruler and he's trying to coexist with these like tribe of humans that are essentially looking to gain power to their village so they'll be like able to survive. And Caesar is like, I still have my place in the hearts of humans and they still mean something. I shouldn't destroy them. But Koba's like, no, we should fuck them up. And he fights Koba. And then the third movie, which is so good, Caesar loses everything and now has to become the messiah for his people while he's haunted by the visions of the ape that he killed because ape killed ape. And now, oh my God, it's so good. that I really love war. I think my favorite is Dawn just because it's such like an intimate story. But war is this great exploration of like, this is a guy who does not want to fight anybody. He is broken and lost and now he has to defend his entire species and become like the face of this it's so compelling and so unique like we really don't do it like this often i love when a huge blockbuster is just about like this intimate character and he just gets to end he, he like has his story and you have to commend andy circus for just committing to it like he knew exactly what to do how to do it properly it looks so good my god I'll talk extensively about these films more, just because they're some of my favorite films ever made. Maybe my favorite trilogy of film. I'd really have to think about that, but I just think in terms of, like, what I'm looking for for escalation of narrative and, like, intimacy with my characters, it doesn't get much better than this. I haven't rewatched them in a while. I would say I haven't rewatched like, the trilogy since the last one came out, which is, like, six years now. God, they're so good. They're so good and interesting. And James Franco's in it, and Woody Harrelson's in it, and Jason Clark is in it, and Carrie Russell's in them. And you're like, damn. And Toby Kevill, I know we we praise Andy Serkis for his work as Caesar, like starting from a young guy to like an old ape dying. Toby Kevill does some amazing shit as Koba. He has to be this destructive force that is the antithesis to everything Caesar's trying to build. And it's great. He has the energy of a freak. Dr. Doom over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, it's really good. They're so good. If you have not watched them, they are so strong and they look great. And it's the perfect exhalation of character. When Matt Reeves does take over, there is just something a little bit more interesting. You just have a little nicer looking quality to it. But I love all of them so much. I think they are incredible movies. And a perfect reboot. There are some named characters that you know, like Nova shows up. We see the rocket ship and that kind of stuff. Somebody is named Cornelius, right? Is that the name of Caesar's son that gets killed? I can't remember. It's good shit, man. It's good shit. We're headed to a Dr. Zaius world, and it's terrifying. Dr. Zaius, you gotta help us, Dr. Zaius. Sorry, I'm a big Simpsons guy, too, if you haven't realized. Okay, want to talk about another franchise that kind of worked? Maybe it worked more for a younger audience for a minute. I'm gonna put this in. You don't have to agree. The Abrams Star Treks? Ooh, yeah, I'm already feeling like, oh, should I put this in? Look, I think if you're a casual Trek person, the characters you know are Kirk and Spock and Ahura and Sulu and Scotty and Bones and all of them. 
And you can't really do like a reboot of that or like a sequel of that because some of those actors have passed away in the 2000s and all that kind of stuff. So taking those initial characters and like doing a modern reboot with them, I get what we're doing there. That is something. And currently, Strange New Worlds is doing it too. You could even go far back as to say the next generation is a reboot, but that's not what I'm going for. I'm going for the Abrams stuff. I think solely because it took the basic concepts of those characters and it helped a new audience get introduced to them. That if you want to go back and see them, you can. I like those movies. I There are faults with them, clearly. And they kind of... Well, I don't know if they lose themselves, but there's only three of them. And I'd say they're more good than they are bad. I know people don't really like Into Darkness. I think it's fine. There is just some stuff about that movie that doesn't work but i would never say it's like an egregiously poor film you know i dig it and that first one talk about the perfect casting for all of those characters first off right chris pine as captain kirk perfect that's perfect that era chris pine has this confident swagger of modernizing up the kirk thing it's great he has like the shatner baby blues kind of just like the big pouty face and it works well Zoe Zeldana as Ahura she's a great choice she's an Abrams reg it works well I like her in that Zachary Quinto as Spock works really well too and of course the secret like sleeper hit of the entire piece is Carl Urban as you know McCoy so good he is so good in this like entire franchise like the DeForest Kelly thing is almost really easy to nail but you have to find the right level of like this guy absolutely cares about everything going on with the i'm tired and don't touch me and carl urban's the perfect choice for that and it works well and i think everyone else does incredibly well too you know i like it anton yelchin and john cho john cho is a good choice for sulu now that you think about it and of course simon pega scotty is pretty fun it all works well you know, and then I think the sequel movie Into Darkness kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, but it finds a satisfying enough ending with Beyond where we're doing something different. We're kind of splitting the crew up and they lost the best hair and makeup to Suicide Squad that year. And I was crying in the corner, just like, I hate my life. Why are you doing this to me? Academy voters kill every chance I have at a good time. Okay good star trek i think it's good star trek and now we're recasting them all again for strange new worlds it works well here's another controversial one i have to bring it up james bond the 007 franchise pick your poison you know arguably the connery stuff is good it's fine (laughs) i say arguably he's not my guy it's fine uh then you could say well the lazenby one that's not really a franchise though so i'm not gonna include it and then roger moore I love Roger Moore, James Bond, just a goofy dude, just being a goof, doing stupid stuff. It's like the dumbest ones, and I appreciate that. Timothy Dalton, I wouldn't really call it a franchise either, you know, it's hard to say. I'm more thinking of the Pierce Brosnan one, which kind of modernized it up for like the 90s and 2000s, if you call that modernizing it up. We went a little too goofy with Roger Moore, and then we went a little too serious with Timothy Dalton. And then with Pierce Brosnan, we kind of went a little too goofy again. <laughs> People were like, what's happening here? I don't know if I like what we're doing here. So we had to go brooding again with the Daniel Craig stuff. 
And I think the Craig stuff is the perfect modern reboot. Casino Royale, fucking slaps. Skyfall fucking slaps. Quantum of Souls, fine. It's fine. It's fine. Spectre, it's fine. You know, it's like a hit and then a miss and then a hit and then a miss. And No Time to Die, I'd say that's a hit. I did enjoy that movie. Like... Every James Bond is essentially a reboot of the last one. It's like the cyclical cycle of we went too campy. We have to get down to the the roots of it again, do the serious thing. Or it's just we went too serious. We want to have some fun again. It's going to have that every time. And that happens. So the next reboot that's coming with whoever it's going to, it's going to be, Idris Elba or Aaron Taylor Johnson or Henry Cavill or whoever the hell... Gets, I'd say get an unknown. I don't know. Colin Farrell, what's he doing? I don't know. Go a little silly. Go a little silly with it. That's what I think. And I I genuinely like every era of James Bond. I think they are so like specific to what the, they're trying to do for each time period. The Craig stuff is the stuff I saw the most in cinemas. I have seen a couple other ones in theaters, kind of like on a re-release GoldenEye, for sure, I've seen on a re-release. Dr. No, and I saw another one. Which one was it? It was a more one. A View to a Kill, maybe? Like, the last one he did? I don't remember. Uh, Let's talk about probably the second greatest franchise to ever do it? Question mark? Or maybe this is just the greatest movie ever made. I think that can be an argument. Mad Max Fury Road. What I love about George Miller, and I love everything about this crazy son of a bitch, he makes one Mad Max movie. He's like, I could do that better. So he makes The Road Warrior, and that's a good movie. And then Thunderdome's whatever. He's like, what if I remade my remake and made Mad Max Free Road? I have more money. I have better cameras. I have better like practical effects. And he made like a Renaissance painting come to life. Mad Max Free Road fucking rocks. It is such a gorgeous absolutely adrenaline pumping film with so many cool characters and designs and camera movements and it's all practical and the storm looks freaking amazing and tom hardy just like goes yeah through it and charlotte's theron actually leads the piece and it's such this beautiful piece of art it's gorgeous and powerful and it's unlike anything else ever made like it is the best reboot maybe ever of just like the core concept where it's like I can do this in my sleep. I'm George Miller. I could do weird freaky bondage costumes in the desert in my sleep. I'm going to up the ante every single time until we get to this. And it's freaking amazing. And we're all losing our minds collectively like, oh, dude, you're just crushing it at every single turn. Why are you so talented, my guy? It's amazing what you're doing. And this movie freaking rocks. And it looks great. And we have the Furiosa sequel, prequel whatever coming out next year you're like yes i'm here for all of it george play in the desert never go home live here and just like breed this hostile crazy adrenaline and fueled high octane bullshit because <coughs> i love it I'm choking i'm so freaking excited man oh my goodness dude this movie rips and it's so cool and it's just like yeah the 80s we could only do so much now with like the, the modern techniques and money we have, we can get awards recognition. This is an award-winning movie because it's so freaking good. And, it's, and it rocks. It rocks the socks off, man. 
This place is bussin'. No cap. For real, for real. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some TV for a bit. I think I have a couple more movies, but television can reboot too. A successful one of the modern era, of course, Westworld, which is one of those shows where you're like, oh yeah, I guess that is based off of a movie. And the movie, the original movie, I think is fine. I've seen it a couple of times, actually, for some reason, but I think this is the perfect kind of reboot. It takes just the name alone, the core concept, and talks about something so pressing in our times. What do we do for entertainment? How do we think about these actions that we take? What is the world outside of just like this nostalgia baited goggles we're wearing? It's so interesting in that in that way. And the show just kind of like slowly escalates from sentient AI becoming aware of their purpose to we have to break the corporation and start a revolution towards the earth and change exactly what we've been doing for centuries. And you're like, that's amazing. HBO is really good at kind of like adapting like a core concept like that. And this is one of those ones that just worked so well. Westworld is such a good show. It's the cast. I, I solely think like the cast is just perfect for it. Thandaway Newton is just, God, I love her. She's so talented and cool. And Evan Rachel Wood, she's so cool. I love my ladies, man. They're awesome. And Jeffrey Wright kind of bringing him back into prominence with a role like that. It's really incredible. And then even got Anthony Hopkins just to like show up in the first season and just be like, Actually, I'm a robot boy, and here's the future of what we're doing. And you're like, okay, thanks, man. And it just escalates into stuff with, like, Aaron Paul, and it's so great. I love it. I want Evan Rachel Wood to be in everything. I think she's the coolest person to ever live, and uh, she deserves the world. Yeah. Westworld's awesome. Four seasons. They were supposed to do a fifth one, but HBO canceled it because the world's unfair. Should we talk about more television? I got a couple more televisions to talk about. I think I got two more. Uh, DuckTales. This one's kind of personal. I did an entire retrospective of this show earlier. It's just good. You know, it's just like the core concept of DuckTales. But we have better flash animation. We have better voice acting where they all sound like individual characters. We get to, like, make fun jokes that are modern and hip. We get to play with the lore of DuckTales and Darkwing Duck and everything like that. And just have fun with it. And then we get to introduce characters like Daisy eventually, and Goofy shows up for a minute, and the Rescue Rangers show up for a minute, and we just, we go crazy and have fun. Like, it just goes into so many brilliant and satisfying directions that I love it so much. It's a really good show, and it's three seasons, and they're really good. I think they all hold up incredibly well. And this is the other TV show I have on here. I want to talk about this one just kind of briefly. I am not the biggest fan I haven't seen all of it, but I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up like a, sh a like a, a like a science fiction show that kind of like took the world by storm for a brief minute, and that is the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Like the original show, clearly like playing in that specific era of you know science fiction is popular and people are liking some of the stuff we are doing here, but. We could maybe branch out and try to do some more, you know? It, it The original show, I think it had its audience. It wasn't like a super popular one that everyone talks about. But when they rebooted it in like the early 2000s, I want to say, 
it suddenly just like became like that viable franchise that people wanted to talk about that people were like this is kind of interesting i support it and i think that's pretty cool or did that not do well either i can't remember I mean, it, it just like was the perfect blend of that concept you know and that's like a cool thing to see i dig it katie sackoff was in it remember everyone's like well she's pretty and that was like the thing yeah and there was robots and stuff and now katie sackoff is bo katan or something i don't know i don't know i think it's pretty cool <laughs> uh television television that's it for television there's probably more you know but a lot of like the modern stuff of television is like we're doing a frasier again it's fuller house you know like i don't we, did, we don't that's not like a reboot that's just a lega sequel rebooting is just rebooting you know like like reboot it couple of a couple more movies that we should talk about arguably the most successful cinematic universe next to the mcu is the MonsterVerse with things like Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, the upcoming... No, Kong vs. Godzilla also came out too, yeah. The upcoming Monarch Legacy of Monsters, and then the new Empire, Kong x Godzilla, the new Empire. How did that happen? How did this stupid monster thing become like a successful cinematic universe? I mean, I know nobody like perfectly loves all the movies, but you have to admit they're all fine and they're successful and they're still making it. And the universe is cohesive to the point where you like get it. And now they can do like tie in TV shows that fill in some of the blanks. That's kind of impressive for this show about a big lizard and a big monkey. That's really cool. Like, I was never the biggest fan of, like, the original Godzilla. Like, like the 2014 one, I should say. Kong was fine. I think Legacy... No, not Legacy. King of the Monsters was pretty interesting. Godzilla versus Kong was so fucking cool. I, I think that movie was like, more of that, please. Just dumb shit. That's what I want to see. So I'm very excited for the new Empire. And Legacy of Monsters, too, I'm very excited for. I think... I'm going to do weekly reviews for King of the for Monarch Legacy of the Monsters or whatever the fuck it's called. I think that's gonna be really fun. I'm just kind of pumped. I'm kind of pumped for that stupid show. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited, and that's what matters. Here's another successful cinematic reboot: the 21 Jump Street franchise, which is kind of impressive because they were doing it on like a TV show. Now they're like actually be a pretty funny movie i call it successful because there is two of them and they're fine you know 22 jump street's fine they're fine movies they work they get the job done you know lord and miller early lord and miller stuff where they they eventually become like the guys that get hired and fired and that's kind of cool and the last one i want to talk about is the oceans trilogy oceans 11 12 and 13 because folks this is uh this was originally a Frank Sinatra picture. I don't know if you're familiar with the man, Baby Blues himself, Frank Sinatra, but he made movies with his friends when they were all drunk and just like living in Vegas and they just like stumble onto a movie set and they'd be like, actually, we're, uh, we're pulling a heist this week, boys, and next week we're doing a Robin Hood movie. And it was awful and I hated it and everybody wanted to kill themselves. 
And then Soderbergh was like, actually, who is the modern day Frank Sinatra? George Clooney, of course. I'll get him and I'll get Pitt and I'll get Damon. And we'll get some other cool boys to show up. Elliot Gould for some reason. And we'll all sit in a room and we'll make a cool looking movie with like interesting like camera movements and cool digital effects and shit. And it's like, yeah, this is this kind of rocks. They're pretty interesting. I'm not going to say they're like genius films, but they look pretty good. They're pretty satisfying watches, and I appreciate that a lot. Kind of interesting stuff. Kind of interesting stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just lying my ass off. Hard to say. I like them. They're fine. I'll probably talk about them at some point. I liked Ocean's 8, too. I don't know. I don't know. Movies can be good sometimes. That's all I know. That's all I'm aware of. That's all I know. And out of that list, I do think the successful ones are the Monsterverse and Mad Max Fury Road and the Planet of the Apes trilogy. But they're all impressive reboots that managed to make money, managed to look good, managed to improve upon the original concept, which is hard to do. But they did it, and we should all be thankful for that. And I'm sorry I left off your favorite one. I'm sorry, it just happens. We can come back next time and talk about why the, the RoboCop reboots shit. But why should we? We all know that already. So hey everybody, thank you for watching this episode of The Geek Wave. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. And as always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And of course, of course, I will catch you in the next one. Yeah, I will. Don't say you're not coming. I know you are. Until then, have fun, stay safe, good luck, and go watch some good fucking movies.